Today, Alex McCaw and I interview Wade Foster, CEO of Zapier, who explains to us how to do remote writing. Wait, I'm going to take this in sort of a radically different direction now from the lighthearted to sort of the, the, the slightly <laughs> traumatic. And, mm. and that is, is that um, I want to get your reaction to what Ian at Mattermost has been sort of um, evangelizing lately. And he's been sort of ringing this very loud warning bell to anyone who'll listen. And he basically says there are three modes of work. There's all in person, there's all in all remote, and then there's hybrid, which is, you know, some in person, and some remote. And of course, now everybody's remote, but mm-hmm. most companies are thinking, okay, we're going to hybrid when we return. Mm-hmm. And Ian warns, like, whoa, 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 wait a second. That's actually the least functional of the three because it causes yeah. a split culture of insiders who are in person, outsiders who are remote. And it comes both from reality and perception. Reality is when people are in person, they get a little lazy about how they communicate. They don't write everything down. They don't include everybody that needs to know. And so the only people that get the knowledge are the people who happen to be there in person in the verbal conversation. Mm-hmm. And then the perception is, from those who are remote, is that this in-person communication is going on all the time and intentionally, likely far more than it really is. Mm-hmm. And then, so the result is that people who are remote get resentful. And so it, that then creates this polarized uh, mm-hmm. community or culture, which just sort of makes everything in the company work less effectively and efficiently. Do you agree with Ian's assessment? Because it's pretty radical. I mean, he's basically saying you should either be all in person or be Mm -hmm. all remote, but definitely don't do hybrid. And it's a pretty radical thing to say. I mean, there's a lot of hybrid companies out there that seem to do, to make it work. Um, But I do think that it is probably a level of difficulty above, you know, all being in an office or all being remote. Um, And I think there are things that are, even more insidious, like a little more like insidious than even the stuff you're talking about. For example, um, you know, if you have your leadership team all in person and then, you know, maybe some other folks, but then, you know, everyone else is remote. Well, do you accidentally promote folks who are in the office more than you do folks elsewhere? And like, are you stunting career growth opportunity? And like, you know, do you have bias in that direction? Um, So like, I think there's things like that, that you have to wrestle with if you're going to run a hybrid company i think you can there, uh, there's so many companies that are doing it and they're very successful companies so clearly it can be done um but i think it requires a level of discipline that's even above and beyond what you see in a full remote company uh, to manage those sort of things that can happen on accident it's not like you you called it out where like the remote folks might think that these conversations are happening to exclude them that's not what's happening they're just happening because that was easy it's laziness it's not it's not maliciousness. It just happens because people gravitate to things that are easy. And so they get excluded on accident, not on purpose. And so I do think that there's some truth to what he's saying. And so I think it's just one of those things that you have to, you have to think through and you have to decide, is that what we want to go down? There might be real good reasons why you would want to have this hybrid setup. Maybe there's Maybe you have like a really good recruiting powerhouse in a particular region and you want to be able to exploit that, but you want to augment it with remote folks. And so maybe the hybrid thing makes sense for the situation you're in. But it's one of those things that I just wouldn't go into lightly. Um, You know, I think the like, oh, let's just do hybrid because it seems like the best of both worlds. I'm like, well, maybe think about it a little more than that. Yeah, I I concur. Like as a company that has gone from hybrid to completely remote, um, Ian's right about <laughs> the fact that there is like two groups and 
one group feels a little left out and a little less communicated with. And it's a problem. I'm not sure we ever solved it very well, honestly. I don't think remote at Clearbit was quite the same experience as being in the office. What I'm hoping now, though, is that we will keep some of the good habits that we've built up during this remote period. You know, we're probably going to be remote for another six months, at least. And uh, that that is enough time to really ingrain these habits into people's minds. Yeah, I think it could be. But I think if you the moment you get back in the office, I think it might, you know, it'll last for a little bit. There will be a honeymoon effect. But over time, I suspect that some of that stuff would go away. So I it would be curious to see what happens for you. Like, I've seen folks talk about, well, maybe we do a weekend and a week out of the office or some stuff like that. So I do no, think there's smart. some... I do think there's some like just little behavioral things that you can probably try and do to make sure to even the playing field a little bit while still getting benefits of being in person um, yeah. more frequently. Uh, it's yeah, it's not a like I said, you can make it work. There's companies that make it work. I just think you got to a lot of people just sort of think it magically happens just like they think, well, if we're all in an office. The culture will be great because we're all here hanging out. And it's like, right. that doesn't work out. Like, you just sort of get an accidental culture at that that way. Um, Do you have any ways so, of, of measuring how effective you are at remote? Like, do you have any KPIs I, around it? So we do the employee engagement survey twice a year. And we sort of have a set of standard questions that we ask um, that try and get at certain things like this. Um how satisfied are you with your job, of course? How likely would you be to refer someone to work here, of course? But also things like, you know, how well do you identify with the mission of the company? How well do you feel like you're connected to your fellow teammates? Um, and so we start to ask those types of questions and just track them over time and start to see what the trend line looks like. I don't know that we don't really compare ourselves to other companies on these metrics all that often um, outside of like the... EMPS score around would you refer someone I think that's the one that a lot of companies ask and so you can start to try and compare mostly we just try and compare ourselves to ourselves like six months ago how did we feel how do we feel now is it better great if it's not what happened like should should we try and figure that stuff out and so we just use those as just a way to do a temperature check and feel like are we are we making the progress we need to be making yeah and so I'm going to grab the mic back for a second um, and to, to, you know, I'm always going to ask questions that guide us into more and more trauma. Um, and so <laughs> to, to walk us along that pathway, another thing that, that I'm hearing from CEOs that are feeling real fear around is that um, if they do make this decision to go all remote, just as Alex pointed out, there are a bunch of people in the company that were not hired for that. And yeah. so they don't want to be remote and they likely won't succeed in remote and then they will likely leave. And that's a traumatic thing because, you know, your experience was 2 to 3% leave. But yeah. those are the people that you were filtering for yeah. who would be successful in remote. Now, now this other group, yeah. who knows? It could be 30 40 50%. And that is just this hugely harrowing idea, this sort of sword of Damocles hanging over CEO's head when they make this decision, if they're going to make it to go all remote. Um, is this a real issue or is this something? We, we don't know for sure, but what's your sense? is that it, it's something that people just need to bite the bullet, make a declaration of one way or the other, because obviously if X percent leave, they'll need, you know, you need to rehire, but then mm -hmm. you can rehire for remote. So it's a one-time yeah. trauma mm -hmm. and yeah. it's, not, it's not an ongoing thing. 
Sure. Uh, you know, I think it's it, it does exist. Um, I think it would be foolishness to not think that, hey, to, to just say, oh, everyone's going to love not being in the office. That's not true, because we all know somebody that would prefer to be in the office. Um, we have run some surveys on, on this stuff. So we've worked with um, Harris Group to, like, run some of these types of things. And um, what we see, I forget the exact number, but I want to say that, like, three and four folks would prefer working remotely, at least some of the time, and would want to have that be a regular part of their, their, their life. So I do think that the majority of your workforce is probably going to be happy about this transition. But that's not to say that you don't have critical members of your team in that minority who are just going to not like the way that this moves. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to watch. Um, you know, ha- like, and certainly on the West Coast here and, and in California, we're being very cautious about how we return to work. Um, it's not going to happen anytime soon. And then when we do get back in the workforce, it's not going to be the same office experience that folks have come to love. You know, we're talking about, hey, you have to sit at the lunchroom table by yourself. Like, there, you can't be near someone. You have to sit catty corner at desks. You can't have anyone around you. Like, there's all these restraints that we're putting up in our offices, or at least the plans that I'm seeing, I'm like, yeah, you might want to go back to the office, but if you think it's going to be the office that you left, it's not going to be. It's not going to look like that. And so that's going to be, that I think is really going to be what becomes interesting. you got all these folks that love this thing, but I don't know that the option is going to be to go back to that thing. I think the option is going to be remote or this weird, sterile, like hospital-like environment that the workforce is going to look like, at least for however long it takes to get a vaccine or to get better texting or whatever it takes to sort of, you know, make us feel comfortable being close to each other again. Right. And uh, a lot of people just moving out of San Francisco. Well, that's a huge part of it too. I think, you know, when, when I have some of the stories I've heard from folks in the Bay Area is they don't like working from home, but when you talk to them about it, it's, I don't have any space. My kids are running around. I don't have all this other stuff. Well, you're like, well, you might like it if you lived in Utah and you had a spare bedroom or a den or whatever that could be a, play, a dedicated space for you to work from home, and it cost half the price of you know what it does here in California. Yeah. Um, so, like, I think some of the like angst about I hate working from home is like, well, I just don't have a an environment in which I can do it. Certainly here in the Bay Area, those are hard to come by. 